wanted to thank you for joining us today as we begin a brand new series entitled Sweet Like Honey. Somebody say Sweet Like Honey. I know those of you who are watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, you're typing Sweet Like Honey. And we are talking about the promises that God makes to us in the scripture. Did you know that God makes you promises? Amen? And that those promises can be found in the word of God. And so I hope today, whether you're brand new to this whole Jesus thing, or whether you've been walking with the Lord for quite some time, I hope that you will be reminded that God keeps his promises. Somebody say, God keeps his promises. And I'm sure that many of you watching online, as well as many of you in person here today, can personally attest and give numerous examples of God's faithfulness. Do I have any witnesses this morning to God's faithfulness? Amen? Amen. He hasn't let us down in the past. So there is reason to believe he will keep his promises in the future. Now, in Psalms 119, 103, it says, How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. That's where we get our sermon series title from, Sweet Like Honey. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you're really not familiar with how sweet honey is. I kind of figured that out in a negative way. Not too long ago, I had placed an order for an acai bowl. Anybody ever had an acai bowl? Yes, if you haven't, you're not missing anything. Just think yogurt and some granola and then overpriced, and there you go. But I made the mistake because I wasn't really trying to get something sweet. I was trying to get something healthy instead of like something with a bunch of bread and carbs. So I, I had ordered this online for a breakfast, and I told them to add honey. And it took it to a whole nother level of sweetness. I mean, honey is very, very sweet. Has anybody... And everyone's tasted honey. Have you had it in your tea? My son is shaking his head no. Maybe you've had it before in your tea. Maybe you've added it. It is very sweet. But what we know about things that are sweet, we tend to like to go back to things that are sweet and have them again. Whether it's your favorite dessert or something that you have, when you have something sweet, it has the ability to make you acquire a taste for it and desire it again and again. I hope that as we begin to hear the promises in the word of God this morning, that you will acquire a taste and that it will become sweet and that you would desire to hear his word and to read his word and to know his promises again and again. Because what we're going to see is his promises are trustworthy and true. So each week, we're going to look at one of God's amazing promises for our lives, just one each week. And then we're going to look at how it matters and how to make it come alive in our lives. So this week, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 11. If you want to turn there, that's where we're going to get started. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 28 and 29. And uh, if you look at the screen, you will be able to not only see the scripture, but also if you're using our house Bible, 
you will be able to see the page number that you can locate that as well. So we're at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. It reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Wow. Now that's an awesome promise. And I hope for you fathers this morning, it's a promise that you can really grab hold to and internalize because we know that there's an especially heavy burden that you carry. How many of you have heard these verses and as you heard them, you just felt a sigh of relief being reminded that this is a promise from God, that you can come to him and he will give you what? Rest. So there's three things we're going to cover this morning that I want us to pull out of this particular passage. And here's the first one for you note takers and for those of you who are watching us online who want to share in the comments. Number one is the rest requires we come. The rest requires that we come. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but I have had occasion to have one of my children need help with something. And they, they may be, I don't know, a little hesitant to come towards me because they think that they're going to get in trouble or they think that they're going to get fussed at. And so they're asking for help, and I'm like, I'll help you with it. Come on. But then they're moving like super, super slow. Like they're not really coming towards you, but they actually have to come to you in order to get the help that they need. If you're visualizing that with me, visualize our walk with the Lord. Visualize how many of us sometimes feel at some point in our life that God is distant, that he isn't very close to us anymore. However, in reality, it may be more like what I just described a moment ago, more of a reluctance on our part to pursue him rather than the other way around. And all throughout scripture, we will see that God desires to be close to his people. Look with me, if you would, at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now this account is right after the first man and woman sin against God in the garden of Eden. But did you catch where God was? Look at it again. In the garden. He wants to be where you are. Let that sit for a moment. God wants to be where his people are. So naturally, Jesus calls us to come to him. 
This means that in order for us to find rest for our weary souls, we have to be willing to walk toward God. Now this may look like praying daily and inviting him to take us into his presence. This may look like um, I, I was talking to one of the other members of the church, and they were talking about just wanting to intensify their walk with the Lord. And I found a journal, and I said, you know what? I think this might help you on this pathway. It might just involve carving out some quality time and just spending time with the Lord, inviting him to grant us greater knowledge about him and about his plan, and reminding ourselves of his promises. To do all of that, we must what? Come to him. Here is where we find true rest. If you would, turn with me to Psalm chapter 91 and look at verse 1. Psalm 91 verse 1. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We've got to get to this point where we are willing to press to get to God. And I, I wonder, as I was preparing this, what might keep us? What do you think keeps us from coming to God? Maybe for some of us it's that we think we're too busy. We're in a season where we've got a lot of stuff going on, and so those other things are taking priority and taking precedence, and we're not pursuing God. Maybe we have so much on our plate that we keep neglecting time with God on our list of priorities. I want us to think sometimes, and even as I was ill last week, I contemplated this, and maybe you've contemplated this before, that sometimes God will cause you to just be still and force rest upon you so that you can have that opportunity to experience rest. Anybody ever been in that position before? <laughs> oh, hands went up all over the building <laughs> where you were forced involuntarily to get to a point where you did take the rest. How many of you know that once you go through that, that that should be some type of inclination that let's not get to this point where this is our regular method of operation, Father, that let me take something away from this where I can now begin to embody this and apply this in my everyday life and that you don't have to arrest me in order to get my attention? The rest requires that we take. When we get to God, after we make the decision to follow Jesus' command to come, we are next invited in that scripture to take. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, when you first read this passage, if you're not really familiar with a yoke, I don't think you get the full intensity of what we're being told to do. How many of you are, have seen a yoke? Very few. Uh, let me read to you a quote from Bailey McBride. He says, a yoke 
is a means of governing an animal and linking two or more animals for greater strength. We have to go to third world countries to see a real yoke. And when I have seen the real thing, I cannot imagine willingly taking on a yoke. The idea is totally counter to my love of personal freedom. I want to do it all my way. I resist bondage, and to consider going under a yoke is a stretch that challenges me. Now, those words may embody what many of us think if we were to be put in a position where we were under a yoke. I know for me, the restraint in and of itself sounds very unappealing. But we are still being invited to do this. So why do you think we're being invited to take upon a yoke if in normal circumstances having that type of restraint would bring some sort of discomfort? You see, when we decide to willingly take Christ's yoke upon us, we are invited to lay aside our personal passions and desires, especially those of an immoral and sinful nature. The things of the world can no longer take priority. It's interesting because when I think about freedom in Christ and then I think about bondage, I realize, and many of you probably have and some of you probably have yet to discover this, that when you take on the confines and the restraints of what it is that the Lord is restricting from you, you're actually taking on freedom. And it sounds counterintuitive, but when you begin to walk in such a way that you lay aside those weights, and you begin to live your life in such a way where you steer clear of the things that God is directing us to avoid. Then you begin to receive the freedom that you were looking for in the first place when you first decided you weren't going to do anything that you to were told to do. <laughs> but when you begin to take on the yoke of Christ and follow Christ and follow what it is that he is prescribing for us, you find that he was really just giving you the shortcut. He was really just giving you the shortcut. I don't know if you've ever been in an area where you pulled over and you asked somebody for directions, and they're from that city, and they're from that area, and they're telling you to go a certain way, and you're looking at the little Google map, and you're going, that's not what it says here. And they're thinking, did you ask me or not? If you know how to get there and you want to go with the Google map, that's fine. I was you know, mowing my lawn. You stopped and asked me for directions. And because I'm familiar with this area, because I navigate these streets on a day-to-day -day basis, I can tell you what is the shortest path to get to where you're trying to go. And I think oftentimes we have to remember that when we consult the Word of God, when we consult our Heavenly Father, and when we think about the yoke of Jesus Christ, to put it into that perspective that he's already walked this walk. He already knows what we have to avoid in order to receive the life that we desire and the life that he has for us more abundantly. And so even though it may not look like, you know, when you look at the Google map, 
when you look at the newspaper, when you look at the advice from all of the, um, the pundits, it may be contrary to what you're being told, but who knows better for us than the alpha and the omega? Who knows better for us than the author and the finisher of our faith? So for many of us, this can be the reason why we don't truly have rest. Because we've been given the instructions, we've been given the path, we've been given the way, but we're like, no, nah, that don't look like it. I'm going to try something else. No, nah, I'm going to try something else first. We could be struggling with the same old website, the same old substance, the same old habit that just keeps knocking at our door, wanting us to engage with it again, even though we've been delivered from that. When we do, we believe a lie that those things will satisfy us in some way, that they will satisfy our need for rest, they will satisfy our need for fulfillment. But we learn again and again that those things do not, and that the world can only offer us false hopes and false promises for rest. Only God can promise true rest for every weary soul. So we must come to the humbling conclusion that merely coming to Jesus is only one step in the process of finding rest. We then must make the decision to give him whatever is weighing us down. So my question for you this morning is, what's weighing you down? What's weighing you down? There's nothing like being weighed down. When you come to Jesus, I used to have this vision in my mind of following him and Jesus having like a priestly robe and I would have this vision as I was on my walk with the Lord of me kind of having like a blindfold and holding on to his world just so that I would not get lost and knowing where to go and knowing which pathway to take. But one of the things that I find interesting when you start this journey with the Lord, whether you've been doing this for you know, 20 years or more or whether you're just getting started is as you start on this journey, he will begin to show you the things that are weighing you down. What do you mean, Pastor Alicia? He will begin to show you hindrances. He will begin to show you things in your life that do not belong. When we're at the restaurants on Sundays, sometimes they give us these little activity pads, and then we're sitting there, and you would think it would be my little children, but actually I have a teenager who her favorite thing to do when we get to the restaurant is work on the activity pads. And when we, oh, wait, why y'all all look at her? <laughs> And one of the activities that you often find is to pick out the thing that does not belong. See, we're good at doing that in other people's lives, aren't we? We're good at doing that on the activity path when it doesn't have any application or any real implication in our own lives. But sometimes it's a lot harder when God comes into our life and we invite him and we say, okay, God, I, I, I want to receive you into my heart, into my life, but then he starts removing things that you've gotten quitty, familiar and accustomed and attached to. But yet, 
you're wondering why you're weighted down. I had him remove a friendship from me one time. It was so painful. Oh, I was so unhappy about it. <laughs> I mean, this had been a friend in my life for a very long time. And it's, it's curious how when you begin to pray and then God begins to answer your prayers because you're not God and you're not all-knowing, you don't quite understand how everything connects. But as you go on and you live life, you look back and you can see like, oh. And there, this was someone who was in my life that I enjoyed having in my life, but their intentions for me were not the best. It's, it's wonderful how God looks at a man's heart. God sees what they didn't say. God sees what they think about you. God sees how they plot against you when you're on the phone and you're talking to them and you're sharing your heart and you're trying to get support and all along they're thinking of who they're going to call next and share everything you just said in confidence with. See, God knows that. I didn't know that. And so when God began to remove this person from my life, I just couldn't understand my poor husband. Whenever I have to go through something, he has to be my sounding board. And I had to go over and over and over. And he was just like, just let it go. Man, you can do that, right? Just so nonchalant. Just so, forget about it. <laughs> just, who cares? But no, this, someone, this person is special to me. And as I went on in my journey and as I went on in some things that I had to go through and this person was not there, I was able to see a distinct difference, how I was able to go to God and to hear clearly from God what he wanted me to do. When maybe if that friend would have still been in my life, tell the truth, I would have went to them and would have asked them for their opinion. Their opinion would have been totally contrary to what it was that God wanted me to do. But because they were close and I trusted them, I probably would have taken their counsel seriously. Sometimes God will remove things, remove places, remove people. And let me encourage you this moment that it's not for your detriment, but it is really for your good. And even if you can't see it right now, even if you're not able to see anything good out of this removed peace, understand that as you begin to follow him, he is going to encourage you to set aside the weights to set aside the hindrances, anything that it could be that would keep you from knowing him and walking with him and receiving everything that he has in store for you. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, 1. It says, wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The Bible tells us that in order to find true rest, somebody say true rest, we must throw off everything that keeps us from rest. The things of this world, they are not even worth comparing to God's rest. He can provide if we are willing to take it. 
My second point is the rest requires we learn. The rest requires we learn. Actually, that's my third point. Yeah, my second point was the rest required we take. So for those of you who were following along, that second note was the rest requires we take. So then my final point today is that the rest requires we learn. The rest requires we learn. This is the final thing that Jesus teaches us in our Matthew 11 passage that we began with this morning. He said, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Let me teach you. Now, I think this is where some of us really get lost. <laughs> I used to belong to a, um, a direct sales company, and one of the mantras that we had was that you had to be teachable. And man, was that so true, especially when you think about us. Many of us, we come from a lot of experiences, um, especially if we have advanced in our age, we're educated, we're knowledgeable. And it's very difficult when you come from a perspective of that kind, and then there's a new task before you if you're not willing to be teachable. If you approach that task with the misperception that you already know everything there is to know. Ever met anybody that knows everything there is to know? <laughs> no show of hands. <laughs> I remember we were at a basketball game. We had enrolled our youngest son in basketball, um, like a little league so that he could learn how to play. Now, my oldest daughter had played basketball from seventh grade to I think 11th grade. She had a varsity letter by the time she was in ninth grade, which was absolutely remarkable. You don't usually get varsity letters until you're a little bit higher up in grade. So I would say she was pretty knowledgeable on how to play basketball. But wouldn't you know that when we enrolled our youngest child into this little basketball league and we tried to put them together and say, hey, your older sister, she knows this, she can show you this. Wouldn't you know his response was, I got it already. I got it. I got this. I see all the men chuckling. <laughs> What, what is it that you can relate to about that? <laughs> I got this. It's not as if I need any help, any instruction, any direction. I'm going to figure this out. Okay. She didn't object. She went and sat back down somewhere. But as I looked on, I looked and I marveled at this unwillingness to be taught something that could benefit. And how many of us realize this morning that if we take on that posture, it's going to be really hard for us to learn how to find rest. Jesus is telling us, let me teach you. So that means it's counterintuitive. It's not something you come pre-wired with. It's not something that you automatically get or you automatically understand. He is asking us, let me show you. I will show you. The beautiful thing about him 
The beautiful thing about our Father, as we were singing this morning, it was just so wonderful. I thank God for the song selections that our worship leader chose, and it just gave us an opportunity to just truly worship God and who he is as our Father. And as I noted at the beginning of this message, he wants to go with us on this journey of life. And who better to learn from than the Son of God? He wants to be right there by our side every step of the way. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he even wants to dwell within us. Turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I want you to see something because many of us know this scripture, but we tend to highlight part A. And I want you to see something in part B. Have I? Or have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Now that's the part all of you know, right? Now look at the last part. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. This was God's promise all the way back in the Old Testament. And it is the same promise that we hold on to today as it is found all throughout scripture, culminating in our last passage for this morning at Revelation chapter 21. If you would turn there and look at verse three. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. This book of Revelations lets us know where it all ends. God, not only the good father as we sung this morning, but the good teacher will be with his people in an extremely personal way forever and ever. But even now, you can experience this sense of intimacy with your heavenly Father. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us when we choose to follow Jesus. And so my question for you as we close this morning is what's holding you back? What's keeping you from Jesus, from divine rest, from deep, soulful contentment in your life? Maybe today, on this Father's Day, this is your opportunity to come to him. Maybe this is your opportunity to take that first step of faith. And know this, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get ready. You don't have to be prepared. You just have to be teachable and willing. So I'm going to pray with you. And if you are watching us at home and you want to participate in this as well and give your life to Christ, I'm just going to encourage you to text EXCEL E-X-C-E-L to 330-403-8088. And then someone who's watching online, Sister Dana, 
someone else who's watching, go ahead and text, put that in the text or in the chat so they can see that again, Excel to 330-403-8088. But here in this house, if there's someone who has not yet given your life to Christ, if there's someone here this morning who needs to grab hold of that promise, would you come as our minister of music is going to play for us softly as we are receiving this opportunity to receive Christ. You don't have to be perfect, as I said. You don't have to, sometimes we think in our minds we have to get everything together first. Sometimes we think in our minds we have to get, you know, get my life in order first. And quite naturally, that's the opposite. We can't do anything apart from him. So we're gonna come to him this morning and we're going to grab hold of this promise that he made us of rest. If that's you this morning, you can just come. We're just going to pause in our program. We're going to pause in our service. We're going to pause in our agenda and make room for you to receive Christ if you need to receive him in a new and a personal way this morning. God, we just thank you for each person who you're speaking to this morning. Thank you, Father God, that you move aside pride, you move aside worry, you move aside concern, you move aside any hindrances that will stop us from receiving your total rest this morning. We receive it right now by faith. We receive it because we know that your word is true. Your word is sweet like honey. And God, we desire to experience it in every area of our lives. So we thank you now, God, for each person that you've pricked, each person that you've touched at home and even within our sanctuary this morning, that they would receive your rest and come to know you in a deep and a personal way. Somebody say amen. Amen.